I'm Ali Wine, a senior analyst with Eurasia Group's Global Macro Practice. And I'm Ron Amitta. I'm professor of the history and politics of modern China at Oxford University. Ron, it's great to be talking with you again. And we are two days away from the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. And I think that most observers would, would agree with the proposition that the U.S.-China relationship is likely to grow more competitive, not less, and that the competition between the two countries is likely to broach a growing number of domains uh, in, in the years to come. Uh, but I think it's fair to say as well that the Biden administration is likely to approach competition with China quite differently than its predecessor. Uh, the indications are that the administration is likely to accord greater priority to first, restoring the credibility of America's democratic example, and second, to mobilizing allies and partners to bring to bear selective concerted pressure on China I also think that the, the Biden administration, from what I've seen, it seems that it's going to be less focused on slowing China down and countering it on a reciprocal basis and more focused on reinvigorating America's own economic and technological vitality and contesting China selectively. Um, so one, I, I'm curious, what is your sense of how you think the Biden administration will will compete with China? And, and secondly, perhaps uh, I, I'd be really curious in light of your recent essay in foreign affairs, how do you think that China is going to recalibrate its foreign policy with the arrival of the Biden administration? Thanks, Ali. Well, two really important points you've made there. The first, in terms of the Biden administration, my sense sitting over here in the UK <laughs> under lockdown conditions, but we still keep an electronic eye on what's going on in, in the yeah. US, is that the Biden administration will indeed be looking to join with other liberal allies, democratic allies, countries that it shares a worldview with, of which you know the United Kingdom would certainly be, be one, in terms of trying to create more of a united front. Uh, I think okay. there's a strong sense that many in the West, um, Germany, New Zealand would be examples of that, were deeply worried, are deeply worried by many of the more coercive elements of China's rise and felt very kind of nervous about a Trump administration, which seemed to them to have some points that were well worth making about China's rise being uh, a source of concern, but really keen to kind of run out in front whether or not allies wanted to come along with them. And I think they'll see something different on the Biden front that, uh, that way. But there were also some elements that I think the Biden administration is going to have to deal with differently. The obvious one is climate change. The UK is holding COP26 this year. Obviously, mm -hmm. the US and China will be very involved with that. Because the Trump administration essentially, to put it crudely, didn't really care that much about climate change, it was less inclined to cooperate with China on it. Indeed, it pulled out of the Paris Agreement. A Biden administration that needs to deal with climate change as a real thing is going to have to talk to China in a slightly different way. And I think on the Chinese side, all of these things also are considerations. On the one hand, there's a much more nationalistic, much more assertive statement about we're going to do things our way on Hong Kong or on Xinjiang and the fate of the, the, the Uyghurs being oppressed. But on the other hand, also realization that decoupling, in the words of one prominent Chinese recently, is a fantasy. It's a dream. It's not possible for the Chinese simply, even if they want to, simply to pull themselves out, out of every single tech chain, uh, sorry, supply chain, particularly in tech that involves the United States just can't be done quickly. And, and that statement about, I find that that proposition of, of your Chinese interlocutor about uh, decoupling to be so interesting. It reminds me of an observation that uh, Henry Farrell and Abraham Newman made uh, also in, in an essay in foreign affairs. They liken China's economy and the global economy more broadly to Siamese twins that share connective tissue, that share a circulatory system. And, the, and I think it's a very vivid metaphor that demonstrates that attempts to force a rupture 
between uh, between China's economy and the global economy, or attempts to force a rupture between the U.S. economy and China's economy, uh, would likely uh, not only undermine the competitiveness of both countries, but would also, I think, inflict quite considerable damage upon uh, the global economy. Uh, and and I'm I'm curious. Uh, how do you think that China is likely? I, I feel that during the Trump administration, China felt that it was able to to drive wedges quite easily between the United States and longstanding allies and partners because they themselves often felt that they were in the crosshairs of the Trump administration's foreign policy. Um, how do you think that China is likely to deal with the arrival of the Biden administration? Do you think that it's going to find it more difficult to drive those wedges? And how, if at all, will it, it uh, recalibrated so-called wolf warrior diplomacy? I think it will find it more difficult to drive a wedge uh, under the Biden administration. It'll look essentially mm -hmm. what you might call the soft underbelly. So, you know, briefly, I would say that areas like trying to militarize the Indian Ocean more strongly, trying to find um, countries in Southern Europe rather than Northern Europe that might be areas of influence, even perhaps looking to countries like the UK, which of course has left the European Union, still looking to make a new relationship with the Biden administration. I think, to be honest, the chance of China doing much with any of these actors is still quite limited. But I think there's chances to try and chip away at what you might call relatively ungoverned spaces. That's going to be part of Beijing's agenda. I think it's a, it's really interesting, and it's so it's so what you're suggesting is that perhaps China has concluded that its its ability to make strategic inroads among advanced industrial democracies, at least for the time being, might be a bit more limited. But there, it might be able with with more de, with more developing countries or underdeveloped countries, it might still have some opportunities to make inroads there. That's right, Ali. Looking for new territory and finding ways to tell a Chinese story that maybe appeals more to emerging and developing economies. Well, time will tell, but thank you so much for your insights as always. This was fascinating. Thank you.